Chapter thirty nine of Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Elizabeth Clett, Houston, Texas, June two thousand eight. Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl, written by herself. By Harriet Jacobs, written under the pseudonym Linda Brent. Chapter thirty nine. The Confession. For two years my daughter and I supported ourselves comfortably in Boston. At the end of that time, my brother William offered to send Ellen to a boarding-school. It required a great effort for me to consent to part with her, for I had few near ties, and it was her presence that made my two little rooms seem homelike. But my judgment prevailed over my selfish feelings. I made preparations for her departure. During the two years we had lived together I had often resolved to tell her something about her father but I had never been able to muster sufficient courage. I had a shrinking dread of diminishing my child's love. I knew she must have curiosity on the subject, but she had never asked a question. She was always very careful not to say anything to remind me of my troubles. Now that she was going from me, I thought if I should die before she returned she might hear my story from someone who did not understand the palliating circumstances, and that if she were entirely ignorant on the subject, her sensitive nature might receive a rude shock. When we retired for the night, she said, "'Mother, it is very hard to leave you alone. I am almost sorry I am going, though I do want to improve myself. But you will write to me often, won't you, mother?' I did not throw my arms round her. I did not answer her. But in a calm, solemn way, for it cost me great effort, I said, "'Listen to me, Ellen. I have something to tell you.' I recounted my early sufferings in slavery, and told her how nearly they had crushed me. I began to tell her how they had driven me to a great sin, when she clasped me in her arms and exclaimed, "'Oh, don't, mother! Please don't tell me any more!' I said, "'But, my child, I want you to know about your father.' "'I know all about it, mother,' she replied. "'I am nothing to my father, and he is nothing to me. All my love is for you. I was with him five months in Washington, and he never cared for me. He never spoke to me as he did to his little Fanny.' I knew all the time he was my father, for Fanny's nurse told me so, but she said I must never tell anybody, and I never did. I used to wish he would take me in his arms and kiss me as he did Fanny, or that he would sometimes smile at me as he did at her. I thought if he was my own father he ought to love me. I was a little girl then, and didn't know any better. But now I never think anything about my father. All my love is for you." She hugged me closer as she spoke and I thanked God that the knowledge I had so much dreaded to impart had not diminished the affection of my child. I had not the slightest idea she knew that portion of my history. If I had, I should have spoken to her long before, for my pent-up feelings had often longed to pour themselves out to some one I could trust. But I loved the dear girl better for the delicacy she had manifested towards her unfortunate mother. The next morning she and her uncle started on their journey to the village in New York where she was to be placed at school. It seemed as if all the sunshine had gone away. My little room was dreadfully lonely. I was thankful when a message came from a lady, accustomed to employ me, requesting me to come and sew in her family for several weeks. On my return I found a letter from Brother William. He thought of opening an anti-slavery reading-room in Rochester, and combining with it the sale of some books and stationery, and he wanted me to unite with him. We tried it, but it was not successful. We found warm anti-slavery friends there, but the feeling was not general enough to support such an establishment. 
I passed nearly a year in the family of Isaac and Amy Post, practical believers in the Christian doctrine of human brotherhood. They measure a man's worth by his character, not by his complexion. The memory of those beloved and honoured friends will remain with me to my latest hour. End of chapter 39